If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Unspoken Issues. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Unspoken Issues. I'm Jesse Starcher, joined by Chris Armstrong. We're going to hop into... One of the latest results of the Unspoken Decade Facebook polls out there. Chris Armstrong, how you doing, buddy? Not too bad. Not Hanging too bad. in. Good, good, good. So this is uh, one of your babies here. This is a poll that you threw up. Since Facebook has banished the uh, old polling uh, options, we were I was able to do, for the first time, a three-issue, three choices, a, a poll with three choices. And so I long wanted to uh, revisit Cliffhanger, which was sort of the second coming of Image Comics almost when it came out in 98, because it was some like really hot artists who were kind of striking out on their own, doing, doing um, create-their-own material. Uh, it wasn't as big a deal as Image, obviously. It was after the industry had kind of collapse on itself in the mid 90s mm-hmm. um but uh joe mad i can't pronounce his, his last name uh madura maybe but uh joe mad joe mad is what we used to see on the comics i'll go exactly. i will gladly just, accept that just stick with that <laughs> uh so joe mad humberto ramos and j scott campbell who had been known for their actually it, it's interesting because they were all from different like came from different uh companies ramos had been mostly i think a dc guy Mm-hmm. Before this, I think he'd work on Robin, maybe. Yeah, uh, uh, I saw where he had a extensive run on DC's Impulse, which that's right. Actually, yeah. happens to be one of the. I, I don't know. Okay, so when it comes to complete runs of comic books that I just happen to fall into, uh-huh. somehow, some way, I remember finding this guy on Facebook. Uh, no, it was on Craigslist. Dude was selling like two long boxes of comics. And he didn't really take a whole lot of pictures of them, but it was two long boxes of comics. So I go meet this dude at a go-mart, and I'm like, hey, all right, let me see what you got here. I'm, I'm thumbing through. It's two long boxes, and he's only wanting like $35 a piece for each one. And wow. it's it's all Amazing Spider-Man, which, number one, I was trying to get into. But it was mostly like late 80s, early 90s. I was trying to get a bunch of back issues. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. It was Amazing Spider-Man, Spider-Man. And uh, a ton of other little bit of Marvel. So one box was solely Marvel, and then the other one was a ton of DC. And when he tried to get like a, a complete storyline, he usually succeeded. Well, he got, I think, every issue of Impulse, <laughs> except for like five issues, and I and some of the later ones. I think that ended the run. But yeah, I've got I've got that I've got that whole series sitting over here, and I. Just just real quick about Humberto Ramos. Mm-hmm. I love his art. 
first time yeah. I ever recognized him, though, was when he was on Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, right. And he did, I don't know, this was in the, the 2000, it had to have been after 2010. Anyway, his Hobgoblin is one of the most iconic mm-hmm. Hobgoblins yeah. that I can remember. It was the newer Hobgoblin. But either way, just, just to yeah, throw that out there, it was DC's Impulse, and somehow I've got a whole stack full of them, or a box full of them over here, and I haven't read one issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've never read any solo impulse stuff. Uh, I know he's like a fan favorite. People really like that character. Uh, I've never, I've never really been big on the Flash in, in any event. So yeah, that that kind of includes impulse. I've just never been that big a fan of those those characters. So, but yeah, I'm a big fan of Remos as well. Remos is a guy that uh, one of my favorite convention stories. <laughs> um, oh really? So a buddy of mine who is like super outgoing. It's never good. You know, you can't really embarrass him. He's, he's always the one embarrassing other people, you know. And uh, we were at, like, the after party at Wizard World, like, maybe 10 years ago. And this guy, is a, he, he's, like, the biggest Spider-Man fan I know. And he did he does not like Humberto Ramos. He, oh, We would really? always argue about it. He's, he doesn't like his art style at all. Okay. And uh, he didn't he didn't like that he was on Spider-Man. He thought he was ruining Spider-Man. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and uh, so we're at this after party. And everybody's, I mean, everybody's drunk, pretty much. <laughs> and yeah. uh, uh, it's like a dance party thing, like they have a dance floor and stuff. And Ramos is like standing by this, like by the wall, just kind of, you know, like a lot of people just hanging out, watching, drink, you know, drinking or whatever. And me, me and my buddy walk up to him or like walk, walk past him and I recognize him. So I stop and I was like, hey, man. And I tell him I'm a big fan or whatever. And then I put my arm around my buddy's shoulder. I'm like, this guy hates your artwork. <laughs> He said you're ruining Spider-Man. <laughs> and my friend was like speechless. Like he had no, oh, like he didn't know what to say. That and is it's fantastic. the only time I've ever been able to like embarrass him at all. <laughs> and then he basically said, well, I really like your Green Goblin, though. It's a great design. Ah, there we go. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. So, and Ramos was fine. He like laughed it off and he said, that's cool, man. It's, uh, you know, it's not, it's not for everybody or whatever, something like that. So Good, good, good. Uh, he didn't take offense or anything. So that was cool. Uh, but yeah, so... Yeah, Jay Scott, he had done Impulse. Ramos had done Impulse. Joe Mad had been really popular on his Uncanny X-Men run. And then Jay Scott Campbell, I think, had done Gen 13, maybe, yep. Uh, yep. for Wildstorm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they kind of pulled their resources, I guess. And, and Jim Lee, who was running Wildstorm at the time, but it was before they, they sold the DC, basically gave them their own imprint. So it was under Wildstorm, but it was kind of their own their own thing. And uh, I really liked all those books, so I thought, well, let's let's throw those three up as the options for a poll and see what people want to hear about. That's right. So J. Scott Campbell with Danger Girl coming in with 25% of the vote, and then it was Joe Mad with Battle Chasers coming in with 25% of the vote, and then Crimson, Humberto Ramos's Crimson comes in with 50% of the votes, so clear winner here. It's we're going to be talking about the first issue of Crimson. So yeah, you I sent over. Kind of surprised. I honestly thought Crimson would be the least popular uh, option, but it, it kind of ran away with it. Well, let me just real quick. My personal experience with Cliffhanger Comics, I unfortunately don't have any. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, like I said, I, the first time I ever recognized uh, Humberto Ramos's art was on Amazing Spider-Man. So that was just recently. We're talking about stuff that's come out in 1998. I, I heard of the imprint. I didn't know anything about uh, the books that were putting them out. I think I may have heard da- uh, heard of Danger Girl at some point. Danger Girl is the only one that still like uh, sees print occasionally. They still do miniseries. Like Campbell hasn't done anything. I don't think since the original. I think it's seven or eight issues. 
and then they've done a lot of revivals that are like a lot of sequels, miniseries and stuff since then. And I don't think he's ever actually done the art for any of them, but it's something that still pops up occasionally. Okay. So, yeah, this was my first experience with any cliffhanger comics that, that yeah, that, that I had a chance to read. So, real quick, I know you sent that over, that issue of Wizard, the February 1998 issue of Wizard, mm-hmm. that had the interview there. And you kind of covered everybody, what their books were, and it was Jim Lee that kind of brought them in under Wildstorm. One of the little notes that I wrote down here was, and this is a criticism I think Image gets a lot, but Wizard asked them about not having a writing background. Mm-hmm. Joe Mad says artists are storytellers as well. Just tell it in a different way. Now, Ramos, however, he's born in Mexico. So he's got a bit of a barrier there when it comes to storytelling because, number one, he doesn't speak English very well at this time. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's obviously good enough to get by, but he even says, he, he, you know, there's English being a second language. He wants right. to, to be able to tell a story, but he needs somebody to kind of help him or assist him on that. And he brings in a couple of people that he knew, a guy by the name of Oscar Pinto and Francisco Haumbeck. That's who he mentions in the article, at least, to try and turn his ideas into stories. So, but yeah, I think Image, if you talk to a lot of people early Image, you're watching artists from Marvel go over to Image and start telling stories. A lot of people will probably tell you that that was one of the weaknesses of yeah. Image was the fact that you had artists trying to tell stories that weren't seasoned storytellers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think Joe Mad's, you know, I think his explanation is valid. I mean, you have an artist is still trying to tell a story through whatever they're putting out there. So it, it's not, you can't discount the ideas that these men bring to the table. Right. They're still able to tell stories. I didn't, I didn't pull out my danger or battle chasers issues, <laughs> but I know, you know, with Crimson Ramos has uh, co-writers that help him with the scripting and, and, plotting and everything. And uh, I think Campbell and Joe Mad probably did as well. But I remember, I mean, reading them, you know, at the time, 23 years ago now, I, I really love these books. And I don't remember, obviously, the much like with the image, the art was the draw. Oh, yeah. Um, but I was, I found the story to be compelling. I know Danger Girl was like a James Bond meets Indiana Jones type you know, spy action adventure, and it was really entertaining. And then uh, Battle Chasers was like a, a a fantasy epic type, like kind of like a. I think in the in this Wizard article they compare it to like a Dungeons and Dragons yeah. style fantasy story. I remember thinking that the, they they were really interesting. So I don't mm-hmm. think that they were the the uh, writing was necessarily a weakness, but I can see how you know this interview takes place before anything's even released, so I can see how that's. Some of the people were probably worried about going in because of the way image was received. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They also mentioned how the the three kind of came together. Uh, Jim Lee says he knew J. Scott Campbell, which yeah, we've seen their names together I think quite a bit. And J. Scott Campbell was friends with Joe Mad, uh, and they both had ideas for creator own properties. Uh, so he puts the deal together for Cliffhanger, and then they bring Ramos in. Now. There was a question from Wizard kind of accusing them of throwing Ramos on hastily at the end. <laughs> but uh, Ramos says he'll work. It's it's actually inspiration for him to work that much harder to get to their level and earn their respect. So that's kind of uh, that, that's good on Ramos here. I mean, he's obviously knows he's stepping in. He's got his own property. He's got to make it succeed. That's that's the yeah. whole point of image. Is if you want to get paid, you, your book needs to succeed. <laughs> so and I mean. Uh, I don't know the sales numbers, but 
you could look at the the end results and say that Crimson was the most successful of any of them simply because, well, I, 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 maybe not the most successful because Danger Roll has had more, you know, it's, success. It's got more staying but, power, yeah. Yeah, but Battle Chasers, you know, that's a, a series that never was concluded. It ended with issue eight or nine and they and it did not resolve. Like, I think maybe the story was resolved in the video game that came out a few years ago. But, um, but Crimson, you know, it had the longest run. It went, I think, 24 issues or something like that. Oh, okay, and, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> you you told you just said the video game that came out a few years ago, and I clearly remember advertisements for Battle Chasers, <laughs> and now it just clicked. Just so that clicks. Ba- yeah, it based it was based off of that book. Yeah, because um, after Battle Chasers, uh, that's pretty much the last thing Joe Mad did as an original project. He worked for Marvel uh, a few times over the last twenty years, doing an Ultimates run and a. Uh, I think uh, Avenging Spider-Man, maybe he did some arcs with that or, or maybe one with Spider-Man and one with uh, Wolverine uh, uh, short uh, story arcs. But he basically transitioned from comics into video games in the 2000s. And oh. so that's what he's pretty much been doing since then. And I think he had a game called Dark Worlders, maybe, or something like that. Darksiders. I've never Dark I don't si- I've games. heard of Darksiders. Yeah. Um, and then he did a Battle Chasers game a few years ago. And I, I heard that that was like a conclusion to the story that started in the comics but i haven't played it so hey. I don't crimson had the longest run and it seems like looking back that that's the one that is kind of the most fondly remembered i guess like it it, it won this poll you know all the comments we'll get to the comment specifics later but you know most of the people in on the facebook page were talking about how crimson had the best story and, and everything so yeah i just recently rewatched. Uh, image the image documentary that's on yeah. Amazon Prime. Uh, image re- Revolution. Yeah, the Image Revolution. I think you're right. So anyway, I just rewatched it there probably a couple of days ago, and I find it interesting that the the article in Wizard specifically mentions stealing talent from other Image studios. <laughs> uh, that's yeah, they, just, they kind of referenced that in the in the interview as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now there was another thing that uh, my last note on that whole article was that. There was a question about Cliffhanger being the second wave of Image Comics and Jim Lee, which it's funny because the <laughs> the interview Jim Lee shows up late. Um, yeah. But anyway, Jim Lee says it could be uh, because they have learned from the mistakes that the original founders had made and they're not planning on making them again. So obviously Cliffhanger, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, didn't feel like the second wave to me, but it was still obviously a great effort. Uh, on Wildstorm. How long after this does Lee sell Wildstorm to DC? It had to be within the next like year or two, I think, because I want to say he had sold to DC by the end, by the year 2000 anyway. So, Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Finding that the role of publisher, this is just straight off of Google from the Wikipedia. They quoted it from the Wikipedia. Finding that the role of publisher reduced the amount of time he was able to devote to illustration, Lee sold Wildstorm in 1998 to DC Comics. Oh, wow. So it was right around this time. Wow. That's rough. I mean, Lee's <laughs> bringing these guys in. This is a February 1998 issue of Wizard we're getting this interview in. Mm-hmm. And at this point, he's obviously probably thought about selling or is not... I mean, like within months, obviously within months, uh, he's yes. he's thinking about it. I remember I, I, in that documentary. I mean, it was Lee was talking. Uh, well, somebody was talking about how you know Lee 
bullface lied to somebody and said, <laughs> I'm not I'm not selling the company. And then shortly after that said, yeah, I lied. I'm selling the company. Right. That Observations podcast, which we talked about earlier, and we'll probably talk about some more when we do our next episode What on Image X Month. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's a lot. There's the, the episode. Again, I'm a lot live up fan, so I'm going to throw an endorsement out for the Observations podcast. Hey, hey just jump uh, on to the greatest comic book covers ever, 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 ever made, <laughs> and then find Chris Armstrong right there holding up the Captain America chest size shield. <laughs> but, no shame. Not no, but, shame. Uh, no shame. But yeah, there's a, a an episode of of. Uh, of the observations podcast where he talks about heroes reborn and he goes into a lot of details about uh, Jim Lee and uh, the way that heroes reborn thing kind of fell apart for Liefeld. And then uh, he basically talks about how Jim Lee was like on the cusp of taking over Marvel uh, at that time. And then wow. uh, the deal kind of, I'll let, I'll let people listen to that on their own to figure out all the deep to, to, to learn all the details, but it kind of fell through. And then shortly after that is when he decided to just sell Wildstorm to DC. Unreal. Unreal. Well, uh, unless you have anything else before we get into the issue, I've got the synopsis ready to go here. I'll try to keep it as short as I can. Although, man, it looks like I wrote a lot. (laughs) I apologize, but well, May, 1998. So that is according to what I'm seeing here, the release date of Crimson number one. So, this is titled Dawn to Dusk, story concepts by Humberto Ramos, Francisco Hanbeck, and Oscar Pinto, script by Brian Augustine, pencils by Humberto Ramos, inks by Sandra Hope, ink assist by Chris Alarmo, colors by Alex Blayart, Ian, Ian Hannon, and Robert Rowe of Bad Ass. I think that is, <laughs> that is yeah, Bad Ass. Uh, all right, so yeah, I'm just taking that straight from directly from the inside page of Crimson Number One. So we get a quiet, uh, uh, we get quite an explanation here at the beginning of this thing. It's you know in the beginning that's where we start. In the beginning, <laughs> when God began to create heaven and earth, we get this uh, introduction is very familiar. If you're uh, if you've read the Bible or know much about the Bible, that's mm-hmm. you're kind of getting similar. You get similar vibes here of that. So it's pretty familiar until we get to the part where he created dragon creatures <laughs> called Chakadri, who kept watch over the earth. Then he created the soulless human-like Gregory, who did not worship him. So he went back to the well again and created humans, except for Lysith, who was created to mate with the first human. But that didn't work out so well, as she wasn't of the same flesh, and that really upset her. So Lysith and the Gregory fall in league with Lucifer and scheme against God. Of course, that backfires, and God's angels sweep in and go to war. After God wins the war, banishes Lucifer, he lets the humans roam free, hiding the tree of life, and the Gregory and Chakidri, Chakidri, Chakadri, Chakidri, the Gregory and Chakidri, I'm going to go with Chakidri, in the same place until God saw fit to let them out. However, a Gregory named Echimus escaped to walk the earth, still bitter against God. And at some point, Echimus found the resentful Lysith, and the two came together to have spawn that would terrorize the world for eons to come. Now let's switch gears. We'll switch gears to present-day New York. Yes, definitely switching gears. Switching gears to present-day New York, where a young teenager named Alex is riding with his friends Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Hmm. As they are sitting in the car in Central Park, a gang of six bikers appear, pulling him and his friends from the car, bearing their fangs and drinking their blood and killing his friend. While it looks like Alex is about to be killed, a tall, white-haired figure appears alongside a red-hooded, crossbow-wielding female, saving Alex's life. 
Alex passes out, and when he wakes, he is in an abandoned church. The one that rescued him is Echimus and claims to be his protector. But he lets Alex know that, unfortunately, he could not save him from being changed by the bites he suffered, and that Alex is now a vampire. Finding out he is burnt by the sunlight, has, has an incurable bloodlust, and now has a pair of fangs, Alex leaves the church in disbelief, running into another vampire on the street named Joe. Joe explains he could tell he was a vampire and he'll show him the ropes, taking him to Central Park to feed on a couple drug dealers. Joe explains he needs to feed or he could go into a blood frenzy, and that is very bad. <laughs> Alex cannot hold his composure and runs away. Realizing his family must be worried, he heads back home, but when he sees his sister sleeping, his bloodlust starts to take over, and Alex is off running again. Making his way to the alley in unbearable pain, Alex begins to change again. Apparently, the lack of feeding has sent him into a blood frenzy. At the end of the issue, we see a misshapen Alex passing out in the alleyway. So that is issue one of Crimson. So what do you think here, man? What, what, what were your thoughts after you read that? First off, let me ask you, I guess, this question. So let me ask you this question. Are you picking this up off the shelf when it came out? Yes, I was uh, day one. I was all over Cliffhanger when ah. it came. When it was, I was like, super excited about all the all the books. Like I said, I was more excited about the flashier books, which was uh, the Joe Mad and, and J. Scott Campbell. But and and I'd never read anything that Ramos had done. But you know, I like vampire stuff. You know, oh, <laughs> so yeah. I thought a, a horror book was a cool angle, and uh, so I was going to get get all three of them no matter what so yeah i was there uh right from the beginning and i'm pretty sure i've got a full run i didn't check when i dug out my my issue one here but uh i'm pretty sure i uh, i saw it through to the end nice very nice well you know i'm hopping into this and clearly ramos's art is recognizable to me right off the bat mm-hmm. you know i i can tell that that is what we're getting here clearly this is 98 so it's not the it's not what i was seeing in 2011 2012 or whenever spider-man was uh was going on but regardless it's still action-packed it's an interesting story i wasn't expecting i wasn't expecting this because at the beginning i had never heard of crimson i didn't know what with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We were getting them I mean, just based off the covers. You know, I, I was looking at the covers online and... The one that you have, is it the one with Echimus? Is it Echimus holding him, or is it... uh, No, it is. Go ahead. It's the Adam Warren uh, cover, which is just Alex, the main character, on the cover with his mouth open and tears coming down his face, and he's got blood all over him. Yeah, okay. I think that's the main... When I did the poll, I was trying to find a... Uh, Ramos cover for issue one, and I couldn't find one. Like, I couldn't even find an image of one. Uh, this is the one that kept com- popping up, so I don't know if this is the main cover or it is. what. It is. I, and I thought the same thing as, as you did, because I saw that it was, you know, the cover was done by Adam Warren. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I I actually, it looks like it's almost Ramos's style. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not It's not completely his style. You can tell. It's, it's kind of a manga version. The ver- there's a couple variant covers. One has Echimus holding Alex 
uh, and I it looks like he's in the park. Mm-hmm. And then the other variant cover is oh my goodness, if I would have seen this on the shelf. Uh, it's <laughs> well, I the, see it, the dynamic forces <laughs> cover. What's that? It looks like a dynamic forces uh, cover that looks like maybe Jay Lee did it. I don't know. This is the one I'm looking at has the four uh, uh, the four bikers. Oh, okay. That's not the one I'm looking at. Okay. All right. So this this one has the four bikers on the front. And if you remember, there's this one biker that is not wearing a top. Oh, right. And all she has is like electrical tape covering. Yeah. Her Those front. Some real hooters. <laughs> <laughs> well, as as to be expected, I guess uh, at this point in time when we're, it was, when we're talking comics, it, this was kind of the bad girl era of of independent comics. <laughs> yeah, but a- anyway, um, I open it. You know, I open it up, and I didn't know what I was getting into. We get this beginning part talking about uh, similar events that happen in the Bible, but we're clearly setting things up that's going to be happening uh, later on down the line with this character and all this varied. Uh, history that is most likely going to be popping up in the rest of the series, I'm sure. Yeah. I, one one burning question I have: Do the dragons show back up the Chalkidri? I don't remember. I think so, but it's been. I mean, I know angels show up at some point. It's. I mean, it's been pretty much over 20 years, I think, since I've read this series because <laughs> I would say I think it went 24 issues, and I think it came out relatively on time, unlike most Image and Cliffhanger stuff. Yeah. <laughs> And so I, I would say it was probably over with by early 2001 or so. So that's probably when I last read it. I don't think I ever went back and reread the whole thing, although I'm planning to do so soon because mm-hmm. I really liked this issue when I went back and read it. So, yeah, I um, I, I expect that they probably did. Actually, I'm, I just pulled up Comic Vine's Crimson uh, page. So it's got all the covers, all the issues. It looks like the last issue came out in April of 2001. Okay. And some of these covers have dragons on them, so I'm okay. <laughs> assuming they do. Uh, you know, the the amazing thing about this opening sequence is, like, if you're coming into Crimson Number 1, you probably know, you know, back in 98, you probably know the story that, like, from ads and stuff, it's about a teenage vampire in, in modern-day, I guess, New York. Or, or, but, it's um, New York, yeah. But then you open these first few pages, and it's like this, this a- biblical epic you know, mixed with like a Lord of the Rings type deal. Uh-huh. Like it's just, uh, it's kind of nuts. The first like four or five pages, and and Ramos really is impressive with his with the art and these these opening uh, battles and stuff with the dragons and the angels and stuff. Agree, one hundred percent. You know, when we first meet Alex and the problems that he runs into, you know, they're two o'clock in the morning out near Central Park or something like that, and all of a sudden these bikers show up and okay they look human enough initially but man when they turn yeah it's it's horrific mm-hmm. i mean they're not this isn't your pretty just a, a little bit of fangs vampires <laughs> they it's almost i don't know did you watch did you ever watch buffy or angel no not really okay oh, that's fine um the 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 change is kind of similar so when a vampire would change they'd look really demonic Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of what it reminded me of, but it taken to another level a little kind bit. Kind of like Lost Boys? Yeah. Now, see, you haven't seen Buffy. I haven't seen Lost Boys. Oh. I know the references. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> I know the references. I mean, I've seen pictures, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I would say similar. I would say similar to that. But either way, Ramos can scare you with some <laughs> of his stuff, and it looks horrifying. And, like, it looks like they, you know, they, they look normal at first. They start to 
get ready to feed and they sprout fangs and it's almost like their jaws become like unhinged unhinged and That's... it's just yeah really uh kind of terrifying it's looking. grotesque yeah it's, yeah it, it's <laughs> grotesque so we see our our hooded little red riding hood i mean it, it it's <laughs> this lady with a crossbow that is able to kind of show up but she only shows up for like a quick second and mm-hmm. then when Echimus is, I, I guarantee you I'm mispronouncing that, but I, I'm going with Echimus. But when Echimus is trying to explain to him that, you know, hey, yeah, you're a vampire now, I don't think she shows back up. I don't think she shows back up for the rest of the issue other than that time to kind of uh, save, him, save him. Yeah. So I'm looking through here. Feel free to talk about anything that kind of stands out your way. Yeah. The Well, the the attack on, on his friends, you know, it's kind of horrific, like you said, and you know, he's watching his friends get butchered. One of them gets beheaded, basically, with a swipe oh, yeah. of, the, of the vampire's claws. They really kind of undercut it by calling him Huey, Dewey, and Louie. <laughs> <laughs> I was That's like, true. well, that it's kind of you're it's kind of taking some of the seriousness out of it is <laughs> when when yeah. that comes in. But yeah, it's just yeah, it's it's really terrifying and and like you kind of can relate to like this teenager watching his friends get butchered. You know how awful that experience must be. There's a bit of. I want to say backstory with Alex, you know, we kind of learn about how he's struggling in school mm-hmm. and there seems to be, he's obviously a teenager. He's going to have right. his run-ins with his parents, but there seems to be something else. They don't go into it as far as I know. I, you could correct me if I'm wrong there, but you know, there's, it, it's kind of like he feels like something bad is going to happen or he's just got right. this dark cloud hanging over him. And no matter what it, it it's almost like he knows something more is trying right to out of the horizon sort of. Yeah. It's like he, it could be like a depression thing. I could see that too. And uh, that's what I thought initially because, you know, his parents are like, are you on drugs? Are right. you on drugs? Oh my God. <laughs> and goodness. his friends, his friends can't get him to like open up at all. Even his girlfriend or this girl he likes. Uh, I mean, I kind of read it as he's a moody teenager and he's kind of insufferable. <laughs> okay. But you know, that's kind of how a lot of teenagers are. So, yeah. Yeah. He says, he says to the girl who was trying to get him to open up, he says, I'm going through a dark time right now and no one understands, not even me. So I don't need anyone hanging on me, trying to cheer me up until I know what's going on. It'd be best for everyone if I was just left alone. Now, that's so, yeah, typical teenager stuff right there, I guess. Yeah. But, I yeah. mean, uh, I, well, anyway, he, he gets into the car and he, I don't know. I think he ends up, I don't know if they're seen to get each other and he breaks up with her, but obviously. Yeah. She's that, not there whenever, uh, the, they get attacked. Yeah. I, I am calling this guy Echimus. This is Echimus, right? That's come. Uh, showed That's up. The, yeah. I think you're pronouncing that right. Okay. I just, uh, the, my biggest, I guess I, I read over my synopsis and I've looked through the comic again and I wanted to make sure I got the dudes right. The dude, right. Because it's interesting to see in the beginning of the story, he's not happy with God. And usually, I'm going to say usually, but I mean, usually <laughs> most most people are not happy with God. But um, usually Especially somebody me. like <laughs> somebody like that or a character like that, they, I mean, he goes off with Lisseth in the beginning. So I'm expecting him to be a villain, but he comes off very much the hero, in my opinion, on this, mm-hmm. uh, in this first issue. So it's a, it's a neat way of kind of making a character seem like they're going to be bad. But here they are. They're doing what you would uh, perceive as just he, he's doing something to, to save somebody from going through some torture. I, I don't know if he had planned to try to save Alex before he got attacked or if he was just there to make sure that he got him right after he was. 
Yeah, maybe um, he was watching the uh, the gang. Yeah, yeah, and, and, him to, and maybe that's how it happened. So, the, I mean, point of that being is that that opens up a lot of like, okay, we, I'm still intrigued. Why is this? <laughs> you know, why is this guy the one? This? What is his motivations? Uh, and of course, poor Alex. You know, at the very end, this is this is the thing that stuck out to me. You know, he tries to go and see after finding out he's gone through all these changes. The first thing he wants to do is go home, and he wants to find out. Uh, or he wants to let his family know he's okay. But as soon as he gets there, that's when the blood frenzy starts to happen. And he's like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm, I'm out of here. You know, I don't want to hurt anybody. Uh, but he like passes out uh, in the alleyway, I think. Yeah. 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 He passes out and he is like, dude, again, with the disfigurement, <laughs> that final panel where he's yeah. laying there, eyes rolled in the back of his head. He's is, got the claws coming out. Yeah. It is nasty looking <laughs> but yeah all in all I mean, as for uh, as far as one issue of crimson this is something that would have probably hooked me back in the day prior to this i'm i'm on uh wikipedia and going through his bibliography so the first thing they have listed there is hardware with dwayne mcduffie and uh, oh, wow. milestone comics so he had a few issues of interiors there he worked on steel a couple issues there it looks like blood syndicate so then after that was Superboy, and then we get Impulse. He did. He stuck around for about 25 issues, 1 through 6, 8 through 13, 16, 17, 19, through, 19 and 20, 23 through 25. Uh, so he did a good bit of run with Impulse. He still stuck around, did a few more um, a few more DC comics after that. I actually had a Marvel one in there. He was doing The Savage Hulk, did one issue of that, <laughs> one shot, and then X-Nation. Remember X-Nation 2099? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't so, read that at the time. I think that might have been during my little uh, sabbatical from comics, where I was out when I was out of comics for a few years. But okay, yeah, I did one, issues one through three. So there you go, man. I mean, again, as far as synopsis wise, uh, I don't have anything else. And, and what I saw in the issue, I don't have anything else to say. I'm picking my panel right now, though. And <laughs> the one that stuck with me is the final one, where he just looks like he, you know, is turning into this. What is what is the best word to kind of describe this other than just horrific, nasty, <laughs> and it, it's it's almost you know demonic looking. Right. Um, yeah, it's not what you want. No, no. He's got <laughs> this is a character that's going to be he's going through some stuff. You're 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 with this guy through his first change, and what lies ahead? How's he going to adjust to be being a vampire? Is he going to be serving? You know, vampires are normally thought of as villainous creatures alex is not a villain you know we learn about him he's just a troubled kid what's yeah. going to happen there in the future so i think it sets up everything pretty nicely great one uh great first issue uh so what's your thoughts here yeah and uh i mean i've kind of covered most of it but uh you know one thing the his his buddy indian joe who is the guy who basically is supposed to teach him how to be a vampire basically yeah. uh-huh. uh he, he you know they go to central park and they just find a couple of drug dealers and like, well, these guys are scumbags. So we're going to feed on them. You know, it's no more pleasant to watch <laughs> Indian Joe rip into this guy than it is, you know, when his friends were murdered, it's really bloody and gruesome. So there's no, there's not going to be any pleasantries. And we you know when they have, when it comes time to feed for the, for these vampires. Oh yeah. So, and you could tell Alex, even though he's a vampire at the time, he cannot even fathom. Yeah. Trying to feed off of blood. Uh, and you know, Indian Joe's just sitting there looking at him like, take a sip. <laughs> and he's covered in blood. And mm-hmm. Alex is trying to not throw up. Number one, I'm sure the, 
you know, drinking blood's probably not the most tastiest thing, I'm sure. But then he's flashing back to what happened to his friends as well. So I'm sure Indian Joe's coming back at some point, right? Yeah, he's uh, he he's on the cover of the next issue, and he's okay. I think he sticks around for a while. I don't know, I don't remember his fate, but he's he's around for a little while. My panel uh, for the issue is on page five, I guess. Okay. Uh, first panel, which is the uh, the dragons uh, kind of swooping in and attacking this village, or these these. I guess these are supposed to be God's warriors <laughs> that the uh, yeah he brings the he dragons brings in- are attacking. It's, it's a bunch of dragons and they're breathing fire on the on the their enemies and stuff. Oh yeah, so this is during the war, where and I I, I think the Chalkidri are good. Let me look at this again just to make yeah, sure. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Okay, so they, so they Lucifer they, pitted these against the Shakiri, Shakiri. How do you? <laughs> yeah, the dragons anyway, uh, <laughs> who had remained close to God and great battle rent the peace of all of creation yeah dude that is an epic panel just to kind of pull that apart i mean how many dragons do we have in there one two three uh, four. Yeah, there's, there's three spewing fire and then there's a dead one you know on the ground that has been already felled and, and there's uh, several up in the sky it's just pretty amazing yeah it uh, is the level of detail in this it seems like uh, honestly you know, i've seen a lot of ramos stuff you know like like you said he's done a lot of spider-man stuff in the last 10 or 12, 15 years until continues to do it uh, from time to time. But this, you know, this to me is like prime Humberto Ramos, this, the, the detail in it and uh, the coloring is uh, pretty, it was set at the art for the time and it still looks really good to, to, to me now. Yeah, I agree, man. That's a great panel to pick. Uh, let's go ahead and head on over to the Facebook page, the unspoken decade Facebook page. We had some comments about these three, our, our poll that was up, I've got them in front of us. If you want, man, why don't you go ahead and feel free. Let's let's hop into the comments. We got a few comments. Looks like seven, seven comments all together. So and there's a little a little thread under the first comment. James Purcell, top fan, uh, says all interesting choices, but I'm voting Crimson because IMO. It's actually really good, or at least I recall it being so. It has been a while. Uh, John Ellis responds. It has. It was the only one where the creator actually stuck with it long enough to tell a complete a complete arc. And Brian o, Brian O'Carroll, also top fan, uh, responds to John Ellis. They completed the story. It came out regularly, and it was a great story. While the other two struggled to get six issues out. Oh boy! And John Ellis replies, "No argument here." <laughs> yeah, I mean, Battle Chasers. It it got I think eight issues out, maybe nine. There were it was saddled with delays much like all the early image stuff was it just you know once he was doing an independent book and he could take as long as he wanted it just you know he didn't have deadlines that he had to to worry about it just took him forever to get him out it it seemed like and danger girl it seemed like it also was uh, chronically late but not as much so and it did uh wrap up its its initial story eventually i think it was seven i think it went seven issues for that first danger girl arc that campbell did well, flashback to that conversation we were having earlier with the February uh, Wizard interview, February 1998 Wizard interview. Mm-hmm. And Ramo specifically says, I, I want to try and earn the respect of these guys. Mm-hmm. And he's the young he's the young buck coming in here. And a, probably of the three, you would think he's probably the least experienced mm-hmm. at having his own property, possibly. I don't know. I mean, you're you're. He was certainly the one I was least excited about, you know, at at the time, you know. Yeah. I was still willing to give it a shot and I was excited about, you know, all three of the books. But but he was definitely the lesser of the three uh, as far as, you know, hype level for me. So 
in my opinion, I agree with these guys that commented, and I I think that he Ramos actually was able to do what he set out to do. He created a comic book. He stuck with the story arc, and he was able to most likely earn the respect and, and get to that level as mm-hmm. these other guys he saw him on. So uh, I, I say kudos to Humberto Ramos for doing that, for sure. No doubt. What's next? Uh, Steve Gerrard, uh, also top fan. Uh, they were all good, dot, dot, dot. But as previously stated, the only one that actually ran to a reasonable schedule and developed the story was Crimson, and it was an awesome story with awesome art. Yeah, okay. Right, that's uh, good. Omar MP says Crimson, the only one that became a story arc and really cool concepts. <laughs> and then Joshua Daniel Rathbun uh, just says Crimson. So all these guys voting for crim- Crimson. Yeah, it's it's interesting that, you know, hey, look, I understand coming to a Facebook page <laughs> about 90s comics, <laughs> sometimes you want your voice to be heard, but it's and sometimes it takes a lot for you people to comment on something like do i want to take the time to comment on something every single one of these people said crimson every single mm-hmm. one of these people took some time out to actually say that so that says yeah. a lot for the book all right well um you got anything else to say here before we get into closing i mean i, I agree with all the comments had a good time reading the reading the issue it's a it's a, a new title new storyline and yet something new i've never read before so what else you got to say about it if not if we don't have anything else to say we'll get into plugs uh no i think that's uh, kind of it you know i i'm a uh, fan of all these cliffhanger books. I think that that was a really cool experiment and resulted in some some good individual issues, individual artwork. And even though Crimson is the one that kind of stood out as far as having a long running, uh, you know, epic that they actually got out there, uh, they're all three worth tracking down. If you're, if you're, you know, I, th- I think you can pretty much find them all in back issues, pretty cheap, probably in a lot of dollar boxes. So they're probably pretty easy to find and and uh, worth worth checking out. Okay, and we appreciate everybody's interaction and comments with us there on the Unspoken Decade Facebook page. So, yeah, uh, talking, uh, speaking, speaking of the Unspoken Decade Facebook page, if you guys, anybody, any of our listeners out there are, are interested in participating in the polls, me and Chris usually throw one up there at least once every two weeks to try and gauge uh, or try and give us some inspirational content that we can provide with the podcast. And we love to interact with the people uh, that are on the Facebook page and appreciate anybody reaching out to us and, and letting us know their thoughts on things. So check out the Unspoken Decade Facebook page. Also check out the Unspoken Decade web page, unspokendecade.com. We've got your 90s covered. All sorts of articles out there on 90s comics should be able to find something that uh, tickles your fancy. And, uh, of course, shout out to w2mnet.com for hosting the podcast. Uh, I think what we'll be doing here from from here on out, at least for a little while, uh, I I'm going to be posting the YouTube link uh, to the show on the Facebook page. It's I, I enjoy podcasts, but I think a lot of people have better access better access to the YouTube and, and listen to it a little bit more frequently. But that being said, you can find all of our previous episodes on YouTube as well. All you have to do is go to uh, the w2mnet.com uh, YouTube page, which I think all you have to do is probably put in w2mnet if you go to YouTube and search, and you should be able to find probably put in a little bit of unspoken right after w2m there you go you can find just about every single one of our issues that's aired on the w2m network and i promise i promise i'll get those previous episodes onto the network i think there's like maybe it's maybe missing issues issues episodes zero through eight so at some point i'll get them on there and they will show up on the youtube face uh the youtube feed as well so uh that's all for plugs for me. Oh, yeah, if you want to follow me, I'm at Stiznarkey on Twitter. 
Chris Armstrong, you do your plug, sir. Yeah, you can find me at BrodyMan34 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and that's pretty much it. All right. Well, for Chris Armstrong, I'm Jesse Starcher. Have a good one. Bye. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.